Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. If you're going through any of life transitions, this program is for you. Joyce is president and founder of Joy After Divorce, a one-on-one coaching practice that helps women rebuild and redesign their lives after divorce. As a certified coach, she's had extensive training, including mentoring and training by Jack Canfield of the Chicken Soup book series. Joyce is also a member of Leadership Texas. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host and coach, Joyce Buford. Good morning. It's so good to have you here this morning, and I'm looking forward to this show. You know, I love to tell stories, and our guest is about telling stories. And sometimes when we get our second wind, we think we don't have a story in us. But I can guarantee there's a story in everyone out there. So before we go on, I want you to get your cup of coffee, find your chair, and get comfy. Because... We are going to have an awesome show today. I have always loved telling stories, but I think it's a real talent to be able to tell a good story so that you convey your your message and you do it in sort of a concise way. So my guest today is Sandra Younger, a North Carolina lady who studied English and journalism at the University of North Carolina. She has two journalism degrees, and she's already written hundreds of stories for newspapers and magazines. But she had never thought about writing a book. And opportunities came up, but she just really wasn't compelled to write that book. And then the story came. Sandra and her husband woke up in the middle of the biggest wildfire in California history. And it was right outside their window. That is the name of her book, The Fire Outside My Window. A survivor tells the true story of the California epic Cedar Fire. So she is with us this morning, and I welcome you, Sandra, because I have so many questions, and I know our listeners do, too. So welcome. I am so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, yes. It's always a pleasure. And you have experienced something that uh, so few of us ever experience, plus you're just being here is a miracle. It really is a miracle that I'm here with you. Yeah, <laughs> that is not yeah. an exaggeration. Yeah, I loved reading your uh, your book a little bit. I got to read a little bit of it, and I I picked out the chapter that you really recommended, and I was just I was kept. I mean, it was just like I was reading. I didn't want to put it down, but it was about the uh, the uh, animal that led you out of the fire. But first. Before we get to that, let's talk about 
uh, why with all of this history, you, you were never compelled to write a book because you had extensive writing in your history. I did. I, I did. I do have two degrees in journalism, um, a bachelor's, and then I, I specialized with a master's in magazine journalism, and I was a magazine editor for a while. Mm -hmm. I had wanted to write books all along, mm -hmm. um, and I had started several books, and I always thought, well, you know, journalists write books. That's what I should do, and I had ideas that I wanted to focus on, but um, I never was compelled, that's a good word, uh, to enough to make it happen. And mm -hmm. um, to make it happen, I now know, required a lot of structure that I didn't have in my life at that time. Um, a lot of a lot of help. Uh, when I did finally write this book about the fire, I got help. I, I hired coaches. I put myself into a, a writer's group. Um, mm. I, I never did that before, but I, I did not feel compelled to complete those other books. That's the truth. I guess they just really weren't, they didn't have... I'm what I'm going to call the passion in them that the, you really needed to complete it because you know this what, is go oh my goodness <laughs> what they did not have what was that the story the didn't story have a story Joyce and mm -hmm. um, I did not realize at that point how compelling stories were even with my journalistic training and knowing that uh, my job was to go out and find great stories and craft mm -hmm. them for a particular audience, I still did not fully understand the power of a great story. And the reason I completed this book was because this story was so powerful that it would not let me go. And when people ask me why I wrote this book, I tell them, because I couldn't not write this book. It was the story that I could not put down. The other books I thought about writing were more informational books, and they yep. didn't have that same compelling storyline. Mm -hmm. well, so that's know, what I call story power. Yeah. Um, I, for many of us that don't go through something as horrific as the fire that you experienced. Sometimes we are curious and, and really by sharing your experience, you can almost enlighten us as to what goes on, what is valuable, you know, what, what do you take, what do you leave behind, what do you, you because during that moment, uh, it, it's like panic. How do you think of all of these things? And most of us would not be prepared for something as uh, horrific as experiencing the fire like you did. So just from that aspect, I find it very interesting. But I'm, I'm, in a, I'm very interested in knowing the story behind in all of that. So I appreciate so much that you wrote the book. Um, and I know that you also felt that there was a need to write the book for the victims that were in the fire, correct? Absolutely. I dedicated the book to my dad. I, I blame him for my 
love of nature that led me to live in wildfire country. And uh, <laughs> so I dedicated the book to my father and also to all of the um, 17 victims of um, the fire that I was involved in. And also there was a simultaneous fire elsewhere in our county, in, in San Diego County, that took two lives. So we lost 17 people that week, mm. um, you know, which happens all the time. It's horrific, mm-hmm. but but just in the last couple days, um, uh, even as we speak, there are fresh casualties in our southern United States from tornadoes. So natural yeah. disasters affect more of us than we like to think. Right. Now, your father was not in that fire, correct? No, my father was not in the fire. He lived uh, in North Carolina. Okay. And, of course, I was out here in California, a continent away. But um, I'm sure he was with me, whether he knew it or not, in that moment. And when I did see him a few weeks later, he just gave me a great big hug, and he said, Honey, I'm just so grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us, where would you like to start with your story, Sandy? Do you mind sharing that with us? I would love to share it with you. I think the most exciting place to start is um, that moment when my husband and I woke up and saw fire outside our window. And uh, that (laughs) is why I named the book that, because it's a pretty compelling sight to look outside and uh, and see not just a few flames, not just the the um, fire in a fireplace that we're used to, or even a bonfire on football nights that we're used to. And I know you you all loved your football down there in Texas too. Um, we do. <laughs> this was a full on wildfire. We live in a canyon on a mountainside, and when we woke up across on the other mountain across the canyon from us uh, was this huge swath of flames that was just eating the mountain. And um, we knew at that moment we had to get out. So when you talk about what you think, what you take, let me tell you, the less time you have, the, uh, the easier it is to decide what you're going to take. Because we were running for our lives. And yeah. All we took were a few things we could grab on our way out. Mm-hmm. Um, I I saw a laundry basket in the top of my closet, and, and I yelled at my husband, give me that. And he said, what? And I couldn't even think of the word. I was just so yeah. panic-stricken, and I pointed. Mm-hmm. He saw it, and he threw it to me, and I started throwing in pictures off the dresser and walls of, of my kids, my grandfather, a favorite dog, and mm-hmm. um, and I filled that basket on my way out, and I said uh, to my husband, you grab your cameras, your negatives, because he's a photographer, that's right. his passion and his gift, and I'll take the dogs. So that's what we took. I couldn't find right. shoes. I spent time looking for shoes, looking right at shoes and not even seeing them as mine. And oh. finally um, ran out to the garage without my shoes. As I was putting this laundry basket in my trunk, I saw my rain shoes that I took with me to work, and I was so grateful for those. So my yeah. husband grabbed his negatives, his best negatives. He took 
one last trip into the house to get our cockatiel and stuff her into a smaller cage that we could take with us, and we took off. And as we okay. pulled okay, out, this is where this is where I want us to stop so that we don't <laughs> lose one minute of this right. story. <laughs> Because we are going to take a break. But I can see that the pressure of thinking of all those things at one time would just, I'd go numb. I'd be paralyzed. So I could see the the, the chaos that you were going through at that time. But, uh, I, it, oh, just pick what you would take. Oh, my goodness. We will be back to hear more of Sandra's story of the fire outside my window. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. Girlfriended is on Toginet. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central with your hosts, Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. This show is your chance to share, learn, laugh, and connect with other women. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Lisa had recently had her mother pass away from cancer, and my mom um, was murdered. A man just walking into a room and started a 23-second shooting spree. I think one of the things we both realized going through those tragedies is that you can be extremely okay and be extremely sad. Check out Girlfriended.com. And then be a part of Girlfriended, the radio show, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. You know, your boyfriend or, or your husband or whatever, they don't totally understand that emotional side to a woman like another woman does. And I think that's so important just to have mm-hmm. somebody that you go, she gets me. Check out the website, girlfriended.com. Don't miss Girlfriended with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Have you ever wondered if you're normal? Or why you feel distant from your partner? Then join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget on TogiNet Wednesday nights, 9, 8 central. Do you want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wonder, how do I tell my kids about things? Join Lou Paget, one of the world's best-selling authors in the field of sexuality, a certified sex educator and sought-after expert for all media and her renowned expert guests as they discuss anything and everything about sex that impacts our lives and our families' lives. For more on Lou, check out her website, loupaget.com. This is the show where the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health can finally give you the answer to that question. Join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget, Wednesday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. We are talking today with Sandra Younger, a, a woman who has a, her business is Strategic Story Solutions, and she is telling us about this awesome book that she wrote that she experienced, which is The Fire Outside My Window. Now, Sandra, you had just before the break, you had taken us from leaving your house with a basket full of your most precious items, a laundry basket full of those things, and you were out in the car. So getting ready to leave your house and seeing this horrendous fire coming. So 
how pick up with there. Tell us what happened next. We <clears throat> ended up sitting at the top of uh, of our driveway, looking at this huge wall of light and flame arriving at our house, and the power had gone out just as we were leaving. Everything went dark. We could hear this cracking sound outside. It, it was a true nightmare scenario. Mm-hmm. And so our house, this beautiful house, and oh, we didn't mention, Joyce, that this was my dream house that I had just found and moved into seven months before. Yeah, and oh. my beautiful dream house is darkened <laughs> without mm-hmm. electricity, and I just remember my last view of it silhouetted standing tall and proud against this this surging brilliance yeah. that was coming at it and of course which in your book you have a picture of the canyon and the the original house and yes yeah so people can really get an idea of of your house and where you were situated so yes and That's I'd great. like to say we thought we were being smart in terms of preparing for fire we had taken recommended precautions, which is, um, which is mostly um, creating defensible space around your home, clearing out the vegetation so that the fire doesn't have fuel as it approaches oh. your home and yes. it sort of runs out of steam. But this fire was like no other that had come through. The fuel around our property beyond where we had thinned it out was mm-hmm. over 100 years old. And on top of all of that, we didn't have time to waste, and we did not close our garage door. So that pretty much doomed the house right there because those embers get into any tiny little crevice, much less a wide-open garage door. So we oh. kissed our house goodbye and started off down this precarious mountain road to mm. the main road, uh, which was our only way out. We didn't have a choice about which way we were going to go out. There was only mm. one road in and out. And at first I thought it was going to be easy, but right after we'd left our driveway, we ran into a thick bank of smoke, and I couldn't see anything. I ended up driving because my husband couldn't find his car keys in the middle of all the melee. So I was driving, uh-huh. and suddenly we were in a cloud of smoke as if, we were in a plane looking out into a, a cloud, and you can't oh. see a thing. And I was mm-hmm. screaming, I can't see the road. And my husband mm-hmm. was screaming back at me, you're just going to have to remember where it is. And wow. I didn't want to drive off the edge because that would have sent us tumbling down the mountain. Yeah. At yeah. that instant is where you read about this this wonderful miraculous animal, a bobcat that jumped out of the brush right in front of my car. He, I think, hit the fender a little because he righted himself and Mm -hmm. took off straight ahead of me into the smoke. And, of course, I could only see him for a fraction of a second, but it was enough to tell me where the road was. I knew he was on the road, and I knew to follow him. And in following him... I got to a place where I could see fire on both sides of the road mm. ahead of me. Mm-hmm. The good thing about that was, as 
as horrifying as it was to realize yeah. everything below us was already on fire, I could see this dark place between the two lines of fire that I knew was the road. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I steered for that dark place. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting that sometimes it's the dark place in life that can save us? Yeah. Yeah, really. That's how I got out. Yeah. Well, just the thought of not being, just the thought of not knowing where the edge of the road was and knowing what happens if you go to the edge is just, that is just horrifying. I, I, you know, I, I just can't believe that experience and how magical it was that the bobcat appeared. The bobcat was magical. And you mentioned my dad, so... Here's a good place to to mention my dad again because uh-huh. he said after the fire, Honey, I've been thinking about your bobcat. The Lord sent one of his wildest creatures to lead you out of that fire. And I said, Daddy, I know it. And I looked up the bobcat later. I have a Native American friend, and I said to her, What is the significance of the bobcat? Because yeah. our Native American friends, understand them and they have significance for every wild animal and she referred me to the native american medicine wheel which explains the significance of each animal and the bobcat choice mm-hmm. is is a sign that something is stalking you and the bobcat has come to lead you to safety mm. I like that. Don't you? Yeah. That's my bobcat magic for you today. <laughs> so here's what I tell people, and here's what I write in the book. Uh-huh. When I sign a book for someone, I write, follow your bobcat. Because I believe that when we're in the fire, whatever that fire is in your life, that God will send you a bobcat to show you the way out. And all you have to do is to know it's coming and be looking for it and trust it and follow it when you see it. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's going to make me cry, Sandra. <laughs> I'm getting oh, I don't into it. It's so powerful. This is so powerful. It really <laughs> is. Okay, so when you got down, now I do recall in the book that you were awakened by a neighbor that was honking outside your house, right, well, to wake you up. That's what we think. Now, we didn't really know why we woke up. This was 3 o'clock in the morning. And uh, let me add here that the fire was moving so fast that um, the emergency responders didn't have time to come and warn us. And, and mm-hmm. that's a lesson for everyone who may be in the path of a natural disaster or a man-made disaster that... Uh, the authorities are going to be overwhelmed by definition. By definition, a natural disaster is a situation in which the authorities are overwhelmed. So you can't wait for the authorities to come because they may not be able to warn you. You have to mm-hmm. trust your own instincts. Mm-hmm. So when we woke up um, and saw that fire outside of our window, we initially didn't know why we had um, had awakened. awakened and yeah. it was Three years later, when I finally got around to interviewing this neighbor of ours, that Mm -hmm. he told me, when I got to your house, I sat at the top of your driveway for a second and blew my horn as loudly as I could. And I had to go because the fire was already closing in. 
But I kept blowing my horn as I drove past, and I looked back one last time and saw a light come on in your house. Oh. So I oh. think that that was our miracle there, too. Right. Yeah. So you did lose some neighbors. We lost 12 of our neighbors. We, we did not know these people. Again, we'd only lived in the community for seven months, and it's a mm-hmm. very spread-out community, and when people move to the country from the suburbs as we did they often they often do it to get away from neighbors so yeah um these were people who lived a mile away from us which out in the country is pretty close they were all in our canyon wildcat Mm -hmm. canyon they all lived in wildcat canyon um all 12 of them and there were 15 people in all killed in our fire 12 of them lived within a mile of us they were doing they were all doing the same thing we were doing at the same time we were doing it, which was jumping in their cars and trying to outrun the fire. Mm. Um, when what was the feeling, Sandra, when you received when you got down the mountain and you were standing there and had gotten to safety um, and to the, I guess it would be to the firemen that were down there. What was the what was the feeling that you were going through? We only have, I'm sorry, to, I'm going into this on just about two minutes till we had the break. Mm-hmm. But was it relief? Was it panic? What, was there even an emotion? Um, your emotions are jumbled up at a time like that. And mm-hmm. my initial emotion when we finally punched out of the fire because we were driving through um the area that was on fire for about a mile. There was fire mm-hmm. on both sides of the road. And I finally punched through it into clear, dark night again. There wasn't even any smoke there yet. And um, I, I kind of thought, wow, what was that? It just was so surreal. Mm. It was so <laughs> surreal. It was almost like, well, okay, that was easy. Here I am back in normal land again. Mm. And mm-hmm. what was that? It was mm-hmm. overwhelming. You don't really know what your emotions are. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a while before I felt like I could relax. We got down to the bottom of our canyon, and we stopped at a, at a store, a 24-hour store, for water because we couldn't even talk to each other well. Our mouths yeah, were so you're dry. Yeah, you're so And apparently that yeah. happens when you're terrified. We got some yeah. water, and then we just kept going. I didn't know where to go. Where do you go when you can't go home? I only knew to go west away from the fire, and we drove just about till we hit the ocean before we slowed down wow. and found a hotel. Plus, you were in your jammies. No, I wasn't quite in my jammies. We oh, we okay. had grabbed, um, we had jumped into some jeans and t-shirts, but okay, <laughs> I was wearing white sweat socks and black flats. <laughs> that wasn't too cute. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! I just that is an awesome story, and we were. We're going to go, we're going to take a few minutes break here, a few minute break here, but thank you for sharing that story. It was really memorable. We will be back shortly with Sandra Younger. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break.
In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on toginet.com. If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can, with Lessons in Joyful Living, with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. Mondays at noon central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. Welcome. We have been visiting with Sandra Younger, and she has just told us about her experience with the fire that was in California, the wildfire in California. And from that experience, she wrote the book, The Fire Outside My Window. Now, Sandra, with all of the experience that you had with writing in your college years, why was it, you mentioned earlier that when you decided to write this story, and how long after this experience did you decide to write the story? Oh, about 20 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) you really had to think about it I knew almost from the moment we cleared that fire that I had to tell the story because I was a storyteller and I'd come out of the worst part of the worst fire that anyone in California could remember for for at least 100 years so I knew that I had to tell that story and in fact perhaps had been saved from the fire in order to tell the story yeah. Well, you you really are a walking miracle here. Because no kidding. Yes. Yeah. So many yeah. died in that fire. And just to wake up in time to leave. Oh, my goodness. And get yeah. down the mountain. Oh, my goodness. Okay. But I am really curious why a woman with so much experience as you have had in writing would have felt 
the need for the support group to write the story because you mentioned you joined a writing group and and did uh, preparation work like that. But, so explain why you felt you needed that group to help you write the book. Because writing is a solitary occupation and we get lonely. We writers get lonely and we get stuck and we're terrible procrastinators and we're mm. terrible uh, judge, judges of our own work. We get very discouraged very easily and think everything we've written is horrible or mm. conversely we think everything we've written is <laughs> fabulous and it's not. And we are the worst evaluators of our own work ever. So um, I have found that writing groups are essential for most writers, um, not only for the accountability to keep writing, but the support when you get discouraged or when you think everything you've done is just garbage. I was so fortunate to find a, a wonderful group of um, fellow writers led mm. by a wonderful mentor. These people have become my dear friends, and I'm thrilled to be able to tell you that as a result of the work we did together in that group, week after week, sharing chapter by chapter, um, helping each other improve our chapters, mm -hmm. three of us from that group of about five core people have, um, have brand-new books within the past year. Oh, that's great. Um, that have come out yeah. and um, and with agents and publishing houses and the whole nine yards, the old-fashioned way. Um, mm. And and so has our mentor. I would love to give a shout-out here to the amazing Judy Reeves, who started the group that's now known as San Diego Writers, um, Inc., I-N-K, here in San Diego. So I would also love to encourage any writers in your audience whether you're a professional writer or a newbie, to find a writing group where you are and to join a read and critique group, that's what they're called, for uh, ah. the support and accountability that, that can help you complete your projects and, and help you learn and help you move to the next level of your craft because it is a craft and it does take a lot of attention. Well, you know, so many of uh, our friends in the coaching business and speaking business write books. And mm -hmm. very seldom do I hear them say that they've joined a group for support. It seems to be more of, I did it, I did it two hours every morning. I got up and wrote two hours. Every, and I've always been amazed at their discipline to do that every morning and well, to group, produce a book. I'm amazed at that discipline, too. <laughs> and maybe those are the few people who don't need a group. Um, but um, having not being the kind of person with that sort of discipline, I really needed a group. And yeah. But I will say that, that my, um, my other two colleagues from the group who published their books um, within yeah. the last year, and another one is just about to come out, um, they are those disciplined writers. They do get up every morning, every single morning, and write. And, uh, you know, I come from a journalism background where I write to deadline. And mm -hmm. so I needed to create a structure in which I had a deadline. I knew I had to go Wednesday night and read something. 
So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. so I had to create something more to read. Right. At first it was easy, I'll tell you, because I'd already written about two-thirds of the book before I found the group. And so oh. I, was, I was thinking, oh, wow, I've got lots of stuff to take. And then I ran out, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and I had to start writing new stuff. And that was a bit of a challenge, but um, I thank God for that group. And, you know, more power to the people who can do it on their own. I think that most of us writers, even I will say some of those those self-motivated writers could benefit from a group because we cannot see um, our own writing objectively. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if you read some of these books that were created, without any sort of outside input, I think you can see a few places where they could have used some edits. So um, even if you have that kind of discipline as a writer, I still recommend that you find a group. Mm-hmm. Well, you make I think, a lot of great friends, Joyce. Right. <laughs> yes. Well, I can see that it, it really depends on the person. You know, if they need that that uh, support, then that's important. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't really mean... It's not really determined by your skill level. It's more of what you are, your personality is, I would think, into whether you want to work with a group or not. I would probably find that working with a group would be very beneficial for me mm-hmm. because like do. you, I kind of need that support. And I kind of think for me that would be good. I don't have the writing background that you do. But um, I do have a story or two I want to tell. So, and but, I want to support you in telling those stories. <laughs> Whatever now, it takes. We need yes. to get them down on paper. Yes. Now tell us about your business because you started a business shortly after or shortly before this book was published. I did. So um, as I mentioned, it took me a full decade (laughs) (laughs) to birth this book. It was the longest gestation ever, I think. But but I knew that once the book finally came out, I needed something new to do and and something that that paid me some money because um, one of the one of the myths about writing a book is that it's going to make you wealthy and uh, let me say (laughs) that is not true unless you have a huge platform of people unless you know you have such a huge following for example joyce kim kardashian could have a best-selling book that would make her a lot of money now (laughs) she's not a writer but she's got the platform and um a publishing house would see that and think we can make a lot of money no matter what she puts in fact, that's true. What she puts on paper. In fact, the worse it is, the tackier it is. Probably the more will sell. <laughs> but that is not the case for most of us. So, if you're looking to make a lot of money, I don't recommend writing a book. I was looking mm-hmm. to make some money um, after the book came out. I had really sacrificed my salary and a lot of other earning potential time in writing the book. So it was time mm-hmm. to um, to make some money, as most of us. Um, need to do. And Mm -hmm. I did not want to go back into the job market. At this time now, I was going to be 60 years old. And so I knew that age discrimination was was going to be out there even more fiercely. And I Mm -hmm. thought, you know what? This is prime time. This is wisdom time. This is legacy time. I do not want to go back and work for some 35-year-old who doesn't appreciate everything that I can bring to the table. So I'm going to do my own thing. 
and I had been doing some freelance writing, but I wanted to branch out and uh, and do something that would enable me to bring more of the wisdom that we have at this time of life. Definitely. To the world, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. You are right on. I did not know exactly how to do that. I didn't really have an idea fully formed. And so here's what I did. Now, I told you I hadn't been making much money, so I spent even more money that I did not have to join a mentorship group. Do you hear the theme here? Another group. This time it was a business yes. development group, yes. and a sales uh-huh. mastery group. And between the training that the mentor uh, who led that group offered and, again, the support and accountability of the other people who had invested at that level to be a member of that group, I found something that I was good at and could make a business out of. And yeah. it was not what I thought going in, but it was my storytelling ability. Mm-hmm. And this is when I learned that the thing that seems easy to you, that you think it comes so easily that it must be easy for everybody else in the world, it's mm-hmm. not. That's your gift. Mm-hmm. So when we tend to poo-poo our gift by saying, oh, well, that's just easy stuff. Anybody can do that. No, that's your gift. <laughs> it's not easy for the rest of us. So I found myself in exercises with these uh, fellow entrepreneurs practicing our talks that we were going to give to groups um, in order to introduce and offer our products. And um, they would come out with the intro to their talk, and they would start telling a little bit about themselves, and it would just be all over the map. It would just be their entire resume regurgitated. And, and I would say, well, whoa, 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 who is your audience? And they would tell me. Yeah. And then I would say, okay, then you tell that part of your story. And they would say, well, what about all the rest? And I would say, well, that's just going to confuse your audience. You mm-hmm. tell the part <laughs> that they're going to resonate with. And this came as a revelation to people which in turn came as a revelation to me because that was so easy for me, Joyce. I thought it was easy for everyone. And that's how I found that storytelling was not only my gift, but something that other entrepreneurs needed. Definitely. Well, we are going to, this is a great place to break, and we're going to take a short break here. And when we come back, I want you to be able, I want you to know how to get Sandra. Because if you've got a story to tell, You need to be working with Sandra. So we'll be back shortly. We return with more of Second Wind with Joyce Buford after this short break. Have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Then join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget on TogiNet Wednesday nights, 9, 8 central. Do you want to recreate a truly connected relationship or wonder, how do I tell my kids about things? Join Lou Paget, one of the world's best-selling authors in the field of sexuality, a certified sex educator and sought-after expert for all media and her renowned expert guests as they discuss anything and everything about sex that impacts our lives and our families' lives. For more on Lou, check out her website, loupaget.com. 
This is the show where the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health can finally give you the answer to that question. Join us for Sex Talk with Lou with your host, Lou Paget, Wednesday nights at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program focused for and about women. This is a show about how to attain your dreams. Now to help you create the life you want to live to its fullest, here is coach and author of Celebrating 365 Days of Gratitude, Joyce Buford. Sandra and I have been talking about her business, which is Strategy Story Solutions. And many of us in our second time, our second wind, as you might say, that we're in, many of us in our later years, faced with telling stories and recreating ourselves. Maybe we start a business. We are entrepreneurs, many of us. And so, Sandra, when somebody starts into a new business, and maybe they want to tell their story, maybe not, but if they wanted to tell the story, what would they uh, how would they start? That's a great question, Joyce. And first of all, let's take it back a little bit farther. Um, okay. Even. Some people will tell me, I don't have a story. My life yeah. has just been so ordinary. And I just want to assure, assure is the word I need here. I want yeah. to assure your audience that you have a story. The hmm. The famous writer Isaac Denison, who you might have um, seen or read her work out of Africa, she has a great quote, which is, to be a person is to have a story. You know, I talked with a woman who said, my life is boring, I don't have a story. This woman was a nun for 50 years, left the order, left all her retirement benefits on the table to marry her lesbian lover, and she told me she didn't have a story. So I'm right. telling you, whatever your life has been, you've got a story. Mm-hmm. And it's a story that is going to help someone else. Mm-hmm. So if you are in your second or third or fourth act, I don't care how many acts you are in. <laughs> yes. You've got a story to tell that can help somebody else. Right. And if you're an entrepreneur, you really need to be telling your story. See, this is what I learned by, by hanging out with a bunch of entrepreneurs. As entrepreneurs, we need to tell our stories. That is the most powerful way we have of letting other people know us, get to like us, and trust us. Mm-hmm. And people only buy or invest in people they trust, right? Right. I once yeah. bought a car, and I went back, and exercised my three-day right of rescission and canceled that contract before I picked up the car and went to another dealer and paid $2,000 more because I did not trust that first dealership. I did not trust Uh, that salesman. And I didn't want to spend the next however many years going to a dealership that I didn't trust in trying to get service for my car. So trust is critical to any sort of business transaction. And when we tell our personal stories, that gives our prospects a chance to trust us. Mm-hmm. That's why we should tell our story, and that's the point that everyone has a story to tell. Now, how you do that 
is a different question. Right. Sandra, why is it that some people, why do you think? Uh, you know, I love to tell stories, and so I look at some of the adventures that I go on as they end up as stories. Mm-hmm. And why is it that you think that some people tend to pick up on that where some don't? Is it because we just like the fact that we can tell stories? Well, you know, you and I, people can tell by the way we talk. We're from the South, and Mm -hmm. we're just, you know, we just cut our teeth on stories, right? I mean, we sit out on the front porch and drink sweet tea and just, Mm -hmm. you know, swap stories with people. That's what we do in the South. I think maybe it has something to do with our climate, that we can sit out on our front porch a little longer than other people, but... (laughs) I definitely heard your southern draw come out on that sweet tea. Well, I was I was hamming it up for you there, but it comes easily. So yeah. here's the thing, though, is that all of us are creatures of story. Mm-hmm. And some of us may be a little bit more vocal about it than others or a little bit more obvious about it. But we are hardwired to tell, to respond to, to gather stories. It's in our DNA. It's part of our survival mechanism as a species. This is how we pass our collective wisdom down through the generations. It didn't start with Facebook posts, Joyce. It started with cave paintings. You've seen pictures of those cave paintings? Yes. Yes. So if you've got a picture of a man with a spear, that's that's art. If you've got a picture of a water buffalo, that's art. If you've got a picture of a man with a spear chasing a water buffalo or even vice versa, that's a story. Right. Now, how would someone use, if a, let's say our listeners are out there and, and they're going, okay, she's telling me I have a story. How would they or why would they want to recall their story and use their story? Because your story is your most powerful tool for effecting change in the world. Your most powerful tool is your story. Mm -hmm. And here's what people don't understand about stories and life in general that I learned from the fire, is Mm -hmm. that the worst thing that happens to you, and I do not even begin to compare my experience in the fire with the experience that many other people have had in losing loved ones and losing health and losing livelihoods. I lost my stuff and I had good insurance. Um, Mm -hmm. But what I learned was that whenever we hit a fire in our lives, however that comes to us, Mm -hmm. we have a choice. We can choose to be survivors or we can choose to be victims. I chose to be a survivor and then a thriver, and now a giver, so that I have been able to turn that terrible thing that happened into me, the lowest part of my life, Mm -hmm. into the highest point in my story, so that that crisis in my life becomes the magnet that enables me to grab attention and tell other people that you can choose no matter what happens to you, yeah, to be a That's survivor powerful. rather than a victim. And you can yeah. turn that mess into your message 
as Suzanne Evans says, uh, one of our gurus in the entrepreneurial world. Your mess is your message. Your struggle is your success. Your story, the gnarlier it is, the better, is your most powerful tool to change the world. Mm-hmm. You just have to yeah. tell it. I love that you brought forth the fact that so many people, when they do go through something as traumatic as you did, they use that as an excuse not to go look, go on with living. That's right. And you chose. It is a matter of choosing, making that decision to you go forward. You get to choose. You get yeah. to choose. So often we think, oh, this has happened to me. We can't always choose what happens to us, but we can always choose our response. And that's something that Viktor Frankl, a man very much smarter than I and wiser than I, learned from his experience in surviving the Holocaust. Mm. You cannot control my own inner ability and freedom to choose my response, no matter what you do to me. That's what he learned, and that's a lesson for all of us. Right. Now, I want people to be able to go to your website because you do have some freebies that they can print out there about um, life and making it through disasters. And certainly in East Texas, we have tornadoes. And it seems in almost every part of the United States, we have those and they're becoming more frequent. So tell us, would you please, your website, how people can get to you? Because I don't want to run out of time before we know that. I know. Well, I do have a website, um, and I have a free gift for your listeners. Let's make it about natural disaster preparation, because we are in tornado season. We are in wildfire season, again, in California. We're always in earthquake season, (laughs) and hurricane season is coming, too. So if you go to fire outside my window, fire outside my window, or the fire, it doesn't matter. Either one will get you there the fireoutsidemywindow.com, you can um, sign up for a free gift, and that is my, my um, special report on five mistakes that can cost you your life in a natural disaster, and then the four points of my live formula to survive a natural disaster. That's all for you there what you don't want to do, what you want to do instead, and also some tips on how to be prepared for natural disasters. And if you do go to that website, www.fireoutsidemywindow.com, you will be in my main website, and there are also tabs there for story strategy if you want to learn more about how to tell your story, whether as an entrepreneur or just to become more powerful in your circle. Oh, that's great information. Yeah, that's great. Um, I oh dear, I had a question and it went. Um, now the the um, okay. These helpful hints that you provided us. Now, what? How else would people, if they needed to talk to you in any way, how would that be? Is that's on the website as well? And do you um, do? It is. There's what? a contact button. They can sign up for my strategic story um, newsletter or e-zine, which comes in an email to them. Um, it's all there on my website. They can email me at Sandra at the fireoutsidemywindow.com. Mm-hmm. 
And Sandra, do they buy the book on your website or or through Amazon? There is a link to the Amazon site um, on my website. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So they can buy the book there, and they can get their free download of How to Survive a Natural Disaster, How to Avoid Those Five Mistakes That Could Cost You Your Life If Mm. You're Not Prepared. And they can also just explore my website for more information on storytelling. Well, this has been a wonderful hour. I so appreciate your time and your willingness to share your story with us. It's uh, given us in, insight into just the, the sheer terror of going through an experience like that. Um, so I thank you very much for being with us this morning, Sandra. Joyce, it's been I, a pleasure more than worth getting up early for. <laughs> there is a couple hours difference, isn't there, <laughs> me and I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I you're welcome. Early start on the day here in California. Yeah, time to write. Time to write. Time to write. Um, <laughs> and you are still living. You're back in that canyon, aren't you? We rebuilt our house exactly where it was, um, and we are ever more fire conscious now. Yeah. So we thank you again. It's been a wonderful hour to. Um, visit with you to hear about the importance of creating our own personal stories, how they are, who we are, and that every person out there has a story to share. Yes, and go tell it. Go tell it. If you need help, go to Sandra, and she will help you tell that story. So I am thankful for her time this morning and looking forward to sharing more time with you next week as we continue to explore the second one. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Second Wind. Join us again next week at the same time as Joyce and her guests share strategies of growth and renewal. You'll learn how to attain goals and dreams and create the life you want to live to its fullest.